and uh, we are thankful that we can gather to worship him today. Uh, we've started a series of messages a few weeks ago called Sir Big. If you'll indulge me, and you don't have a choice, <laughs> I want to review a little bit. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at a passage from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, and, and in his writing, his prophecy, he helped us to understand that there are two kinds of people and there are two kinds of churches. And there are those that are internally focused. We spend a lot of time working on this relationship with God. We are solid with him. We fast, we pray. But when we're just internally focused, we aren't doing anything to serve the community around us, to reach people for Jesus around us. I shouldn't say not doing anything, but not doing all that we could do. Uh, the externally focused uh, persons, churches, give themselves in service to others. They understand that uh, we always have a choice to make of who we're going to serve. And that becomes an issue of who gets served first. Is it the people inside the church that get served first? Or is it the people who need to come to Christ, who need to experience his love, his grace, and his mercy, who get served first? And Isaiah helped us understand a powerful truth. The, favor, the way to favor with God begins when his people take their eyes off of self and set them upon others. His focus is on the hungry, the homeless, and broken. His heart leans to the one who is suffering under injustice. When we get involved in the things that break God's heart, we open the door for his love and grace to come into our own situation and to help us. It's no wonder then that Jesus, as he began his ministry, quoted the words of Isaiah, the same prophet, when he said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I remind us that Isaiah taught us that God has never been interested in our preoccupation with ourselves. That isn't to say he's not concerned about us. Obviously, he is. He meets our needs. He takes care of our needs. He helps us with our problems. It's just a reminder that he has placed within each of us the potential to make the world around us a better place, a place more like his plan a place where more of his grace is given, and he expects us to focus ourselves that way. When we begin to understand fully and deeply that good deeds in the community lead to goodwill among our neighbors, that opens the door to share the good news of the message of Jesus with them. Two weeks ago, get over our preoccupation with ourselves. Last week, We talked about the passage in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. And we talked about a little quote from Mother Teresa. Some of you are going to remember this as soon as I say it. Maybe some of you remember it already. Mother Teresa would often say, I'm a little pencil in the hand of a writing God who is sending a love letter to the world. In other words, she's saying, I'm one person, but I'm using my one life that God has given me to share his love with the world around me. I'm his. I'm his little pencil. 
releasing my life in a way so that others experience love. And we're reminded from that that serving others is, again, the gateway to sharing the gospel. Salt and light. We can use our influence in the society around us as salt and light, or we can hide it under a bushel. We can let our salt become worthless so that, in the words of Jesus, as he taught this principle, it's good for nothing except to be thrown in the streets. But we're reminded that society is like a stream. If we don't like the direction it's going, we face a choice. We can either stand on the banks yelling and screaming about what is wrong with the stream, or we can roll up our pant legs and wade in. And that line, I think, is perfectly appropriate for the day in which we live. You know, a lot of us are concerned about this stream of our society and where it's going. We're not always happy. And these days, it seems like more and more it's... it's, not even just always happy, it's we're rarely happy about where we see the stream of society going. We have grave and deep concerns as followers of Jesus. But we can stand on the banks and just holler about it, cry about it, weep together about it, and point out all the problems and the flaws and the difficulties. Or we can wade into the stream and use our influence as salt and light to make a difference in the world around us. Which do you think Jesus wants us to do? It's kind of an obvious question, isn't it? He wants us to serve, to get involved, to leverage our influence that really isn't ours, it's his, to make a difference in the world around us. Today we examine one of the parables of Jesus. If you have your Bible, if you want to take a pew Bible, turn to Luke chapter 10. Or some of you will reach through your phone or your tablet. Wherever you find yourself reading the Bible, turn to Luke chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 30 through 37, a very familiar parable of Jesus. I'm reading it from the New International Version, so if you have something different, just follow along with me. But I'm quite sure that 99.99% of you know this parable. You could tell it without me reading it to you. It says, in reply, Jesus said, A man was going down to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Jericho, when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these Three, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers, said Jesus. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go 
and do likewise. And if you're using your own Bible, and if you are like me, I, I mark my Bibles. Uh, I would ask you to mark the words pity and the word mercy. The words pity and mercy. It's of note that as Jesus structured this parable for people to hear about how God works in his kingdom and what he expects of us, that those three characters that he des- designed uh, Only one of them chose to get involved. Two of them walked by, seeing the issue, never slowed down, never stopped their gait. They just kept going. And yet there was a third came by. Actually, the third one was the most unlikely to have stopped because he was of a different culture, a different people. And the Samaritan stopped, and he took pity on this man who needed help. Why do we walk by when we see brokenness and hurting and suffering and injustice? Why do we walk by? Why don't we stop? Why don't we help? Why don't we get involved? That answer really is probably more involved than we have time to address, but I thought of some reasons why from time to time you and I see things that uh, Jesus might be pointing us toward and yet we keep walking. Sometimes we have this thought, I'd like to help, but I don't have time. I've got this appointment. I've got this place I've got to be. I've got this thing I want to do. And so we keep on going And in the back of our mind with that is usually the idea that someone else will come along and take care of it. I won't be the only one who notices. I'll leave it to someone else. Sometimes we walk on by because we have a different thought. We we look at the situation, we see the need, and we think, I'll write a check and send it to someone who can come and help. And we're good at that. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not suggesting that any of these are in and of themselves wrong. I'm just, uh, you know, situations are what they are. But sometimes we need to stop. Sometimes we see the need and in our haste to go walk on, go walking on by, we shout out, I'll pray for you. And we mean it. And sometimes we do it. I think if we were to interview the three that noticed this man hurting and suffering, I think two of them might respond something like this. They might have said, either to themselves or out loud, you aren't like me. You're not from my family. You're not from my neighborhood. I don't work with you. You're not in my circle of friends. You're not even someone that I can tell you your name. You aren't like me. Because you're not like me, I'm not going to get involved. I think that's the cry we're hearing a lot in our society these days when our African-American brothers and sisters tell us of the problems of injustice. Sometimes we don't get involved because 
in the recesses of our mind, we have this thought. We don't mean to have it. We don't mean it in an unloving way. But it's back there. It lingers. You're not like me. And because you're not like me, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to get involved. But it says the Samaritan helps. He stopped. He actually detoured his route to stop and make a difference in the life of one who had been beaten and robbed and needed help. The scripture says he has pity. He has pity. The word in the Greek language that was used here by Jesus is is one that met the needs of his day. It was a word that everyone in his day would understand, but it's one to us that seems a little funny. Not just because in the Greek it's a funny word, but because of what it means. The word in Greek is planknizomai. Planknizomai. I've practiced that word over and over and over, and I'm still not quite getting it right. Planknizomai. It's the word in the Greek language for compassion. It meant something deeper than that to those who heard it first in their native tongue. It meant that they were moved as to one's bowels. And that's what sounds funny to us because when we use the words move and bowels together, we come up with a whole different thing than compassion. But in their language, it had very deep meaning and understanding because from deep within them, deep-seated from the very recesses of their inner being, it meant that they had compassion. It was thought in Jesus' day that the bowels were the seat of love, the seat of compassion, the seat of pity, where all of those emotions rise up within us. We would probably today, instead of the word bowels, use the word heart as the seat of our compassion, our pity, our love. The Samaritan helped because he was a man filled with compassion. And though it would have sounded anathema to the, to the people of, of Jesus' family, he was moved by God with compassion. Jewish people didn't think that the Samaritans could really worship our God, their God. And yet, here's a man who chose the way of God, the way of compassion, so much so that he stopped and he helped. He leveraged his resources. He gave of himself over and above and beyond to make sure that one that was broken and hurting experienced compassion I could tell a lot of stories today on many of you stories I know about you and how you have leveraged your compassion to make a difference in the world around you and I want to thank you for that I'm not going to call you out by name but I want to thank you for being people of deep compassion when you see a need you choose to help Why? Because that's the way of God. 
That's his plan. That's his purpose. The second word is mercy. These two key words out of this little parable. At least I determine they're key words. You may differ. To me, these are the two key words. Pity and mercy. In the Greek language, alios. It's a kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and the afflicted. But it's more than just having that kindness and goodwill. The kind of mercy that Jesus is talking about here in this parable is a mercy that moves us past just an empathy of feeling of emotion for a person who is hurting or suffering. But it carries with it the idea that we carry that mercy so deeply we joined with a desire to help them. We acted. We move. You see, mercy doesn't see a need and walk on by. Mercy stops. Mercy engages. Mercy leverages whatever resources are available to make a difference in the issue at hand that needs God's compassion and mercy. Compassion and mercy marked the Samaritan. And it is painfully clear to us that as Jesus tells this parable, he's saying to us that mercy and compassion must mark us it's not just that we see something wrong and have empathy it's that we stop we engage we give ourselves and we leverage the gifts and the resources that God has given to us so that we can make a difference in the need at hand It's interesting that as Jesus ended the parable, he turned back to the teacher of the law who he was having this conversation with, and he asked him a question. To whom is this man a neighbor? Which of those three were a neighbor to this man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert of the law replied, the scripture says, the one who had mercy on him. Well, he got it, didn't he? That teacher of the law got what Jesus was trying to impart. But Jesus didn't stop there. He didn't say, it's good that you got the concept. I'm glad you have that concept down. Hold on to that concept. Keep it alive because it'll help you understand God. He went another step. Four little words. Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Compassion and mercy mark the Samaritan. Compassion and mercy must mark us. Mercy doesn't see a need. And walk on by. One of the things that we want to be a marker of who we are as a congregation is to be good neighbors. We, we believe that that's something that God has called us to. And it, it really comes out of this passage. That God calls us to be good neighbors. So that identity marker lived out through the ministry of this congregation means that there is in us an ethos, a willingness, an attitude 
to make a positive difference in the brokenness of our community. It's something we have to give attention to. We can't afford to just sit here and worship together with the, the ringing of the news going through our brain or the memory of what we read in the newspaper and just say, man, that's a problem that needs to be fixed. There has to be within God's people a willingness to go and do likewise. It's a young pastor. I don't know him personally, but I followed his story. He planted a church on the East Coast that did really well. Along the way, he sensed another calling. And his calling was to a place that would be hard, would be a challenge. But he saw the need, and he realized that mercy and compassion needed to be extended there. His name is Vince. And so Vince and his wife a few years ago now moved to Las Vegas. And they chose to plant another church in Las Vegas. They, they determined that that's what God wanted them to do. And they, they did something that most church planters wouldn't do. They didn't look for the nice neighborhood where there was a new subdivision and new families moving in. They didn't look for the settled, established place where there would be kids running around that uh, parents would want them to be in a church. They felt that their call was to the people who worked in the casinos in downtown Las Vegas. So guess where they planted their church? In a casino. Vince... uh, his story is interesting, how God's used him. I, my gathering is the church is doing well now, five, six years later. I, I can't say that I know that for sure, but from what I read online, it appears the church is doing well. But they went to a hard place because they saw people who were far from God, who needed God's love and compassion, mercy and grace. After he'd been there a little while, he he started formulating some ideas about what it meant to do what he was doing. And he he landed on a phrase that's from military language and and warfare language. And while he isn't advocating warfare, and neither am I, I I don't want ever there to be war, nor does anyone really. I don't, well, I shouldn't say anyone. There probably are warped people in the world who want there to be wars. But I want you to listen. It's about a two-minute clip where Vince talks about this idea that he started thinking through and working with. He talks about guerrilla warfare and what that means for the church, for Christians, for believers. Listen to him. One sentence for sure to keep in your head about what Vince just said. Love people until they ask you why. Love people until they ask you why. That's the point he's trying to make. Have mercy and compassion on people until they ask you why. I listened to that little clip several times before I caught a little word that he inserted. I think it's a word he created probably. You might have caught it. It took me a couple of times to catch it. But... uh, Toward the end, maybe two-thirds of the way through or more, he stopped using the word warfare, 
and he replaced it with another word, love fair. Love fair. And I thought, what's love fair? As Vince was describing it, and I came up with this. Serving people with compassion and mercy until they come, become convinced that our faith is real and Jesus is real. And over time, they will ask us why we serve and why we believe. Serving people with love, compassion, mercy, until they become convinced that our faith is real and that Jesus is real. If we live out a life of mercy and compassion, the way Jesus demonstrated through the parable of the Good Samaritan, people are going to begin asking, why do you do this? And we have an opportunity to share the love of Christ. I'm convinced that the methods of reaching people for Christ that I grew up with as a teenager, a young adult, even in the beginning years of my ministry, are no longer effective in today's culture. We have to reset and start a different place. And that place is not with sharing the gospel. That's where I was taught to start as a young kid by my pastor. Today you have to start in a whole different place and it's long before you get to the place of sharing the gospel. It's in demonstrating love and compassion. Dave Workman is pastor at the Cincinnati Vineyard Church. It's one of the larger churches in America. He says that people need 12 to 20 positive bumps And he defines bumps as refreshing encounters with the church before people come to Christ. 12 to 20 refreshing encounters with the church before people come to Christ. That's why love and compassion is so important. That's why it's so vitally necessary that we serve the community around us because in our serving, we bump people with the love, the compassion, the goodness of Christ. And over time, they ask us why. You see, the Good Samaritan didn't avoid the person in need. He stopped. Most serving opportunities that God places in our path happen at the intersection of the unexpected and the interruption. They happen at the intersection of the unexpected and the interruption. Two of those three men walked on by. They weren't going to allow their life to be interrupted, their plan, their schedule, their to-do list for the day. It was the Good Samaritan who encountered an unexpected need, a person who was hurting and broken, and interrupted his life and his plan to follow the way of compassion In other words, engaging in love fair requires a willingness to allow God to interrupt your life, often at very unexpected times. Can he interrupt you? Does God have permission to change your daily to-do list? Does he? See, that's the natural outgrowth of allowing God to help us overcome our preoccupation with ourselves. It's to give him our agenda, our calendar. 
and say, Lord, here's the plans that I think would best honor you, things I think you want me to do, but God, you always have permission to interrupt me and show me another way, another path. See, God is calling us to become good neighbors. It will mean that we allow him the opportunity to interrupt our lives to share love, compassion, and mercy with people who are broken and hurting, people who think their life is good, but in reality they are far from God. Will you give yourself to a love-fair life? I think that's a key component to your own spiritual health. That you will give yourself in a love-fair to serve people, to bump into people with the compassion, the mercy, the grace of God. Unamuno was a Spanish philosopher. He tells about a Roman aqueduct that served the city of Segovia in Spain. It was built in 109 AD. And for 1,800 years, it carried cool water from the mountains to the hot and thirsty city. 1,800 years that aqueduct functioned. Nearly 60 generations of men drank from it. Then came another generation, a, a recent one, who said this aqueduct is such a great marvel that it ought to be preserved for our children as a museum piece. And they decide to relieve it of its centuries-long labor thinking in so doing they would preserve it. And what, so they did. They made it a museum piece, in essence. They laid modern iron pipes so that the water could come another way, and before long they noticed that the ancient bricks and mortar were at rest, but they were more at re- than at rest. They began to fall apart. The sun beating on the dry mortar caused it to crumble. The bricks and stones sagged and threatened the fall. What ages of service could not destroy, idleness disintegrated. We're called to be people of compassion and mercy. And to put that pointedly as Jesus did to the teacher of the law he was talking to that day. To be people of compassion and mercy, we have to go and do. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this parable. It's one that is so rich to us. We've known it, many of us, our entire lives. And yet, out of its depths, out of its power, comes to us today a reminder that you have called us to go and to do. To be people of mercy and compassion. To be people who are willing to have our lives interrupted for your agenda rather than ours. Lord, help us to be people with a love-fair heart. Willing to serve others to bump into them with the grace and the mercy and the compassion of God to address whatever need until they ask us why we have so much compassion, why we have so much love, why we're so willing and ready to demonstrate to the world around us that the way of compassion and mercy is the way of God. So Lord, give us opportunities. 
And when those opportunities come in unexpected ways, help us to be willing to interrupt our life so that we can serve others. And we will serve in your name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.